Welcome to the Azure Security Podcast, where we discuss topics relating to security, privacy, reliability, and compliance on the Microsoft Cloud Platform. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 32. We have the whole gang here this week. We also have a special guest, Rin Yu. He's here to talk to us about the SOC Process Framework Workbook. But before we get to Rin, let's take a look at the news. Uh, Mark, why don't you kick things off? So uh, I thought I'd keep things bright and cheery, um, keeping uh, keep them up from last time's uh, dark uh, sort of view of the future. Um, but uh, on, on a genuinely positive note in the ransomware space, um, we did publish um, since since last podcast a new uh, sort of one, two, three step-by-step guidance focused on um, human-operated ransomware that takes a lot of those lessons learned from that, uh, that deck and the project plan that we talked about last time and actually kind of uh, lays it out step by step. What's the first thing to do? Second thing, third thing, um, and so that's that's out there. It's mostly the same information, but it's a little bit more prescriptive and a little bit uh, more order. So you know, less uh, processing on on your part to have to do that. And we're we're constantly looking to improve that. We've got some more guidance that we're uh, working on structuring and and writing up so that you know it's as clear as possible for um, all of those steps end to end. Um, so that's one of the things that we're we're constantly working on, continuously improving. Um, the other thing that um, will be out very shortly, it may actually be published by the time this pod, uh, podcast comes out, is we've recorded videos on the cyber reference architecture and the cloud adoption framework secure methodology, um, anywhere between 10 and usually 20 to 20, 20, uh, 20 or 25 minutes, kind of on each section of it to uh, help folks understand kind of what that content is about, what we were thinking, the thought process behind it, some strategic tips and whatnot. And so that will be out very, very shortly. I mean, we're going to go ahead and post those videos in a couple different places, but um, the easiest place to look is on the Cyber Reference Architecture uh, sites, as, as, as well as the methodology pages within CAF Secure. Um, so those are going to be out there. And uh, the last piece I'll share is just like a, a kind of an interesting analogy I was trying out on Twitter this morning around um, when you when you think about um, the way you're, uh, that way that organizations are trying to kind of instinctively prevent ransomware first, um, as opposed to making sure they have a backup plan. It's sort of like doing a retirement planning by buying a lottery ticket. Um, so it's uh, the odds are definitely not in your favor. It's uh, time for uh, my babies, Azure Sentinel news. Uh, apparently, I'm now Sentinel Mama, so let's go with that. But let's talk about some stuff that's happened in Sentinel because there's always new things. Um, the Windows Security Events Connector is now based on the Azure Monitor Agent, or AMA. That's going to um, replace the um, MMA agent. So the AMA agent is really cool. Um, it lets you filter the type of events you want to ingest, uh, which is good uh, to keep your ingestion rate down. So go and have a look at that. And the Azure Activity Logs Connector is now based on the Diagnostic Settings Pipeline, which means um, it's actually, uh, there's a better uh, ingestion rate and better performance. But these upgrades are not automatic. You need to go in and change things. So go and have a look at that. We're now finally got public preview of export and importing analytics rules. Uh, that is something that uh, I have had many customers ask me about all the time. So now you can export them into an ARM template and then you can uh, re-import them. So if you, if you need a copy of your rules for whatever reason, you can do that. And then last but not least, in fact, not last but not least, there's a few more. Um, the alert enrichment has now got alert details, so you can custom tailor the way alerts are. And, uh, we've got some more documentation around playbooks. And a really cool thing is that 
all of the Azure Sentinel documentation has now been reorganized. We've got some really cool people on board. Shout out to uh, the uh, Sentinel docs and content folks. Um, they've reorganized all our documentation um, and they've done it in better categories. So we've got like collect your data, threat intelligence, threat hunting. So depending on what you might be interested in using Sentinel for, what your job is. So it should be much easier to find the documentation. So that is all my Sentinel news, because let's face it, that's basically what I talk about. A bunch of things took my interest over the last uh, week or so. Uh, the first one is that the web application firewall in Azure front door has a an updated set of default rules uh, for things like detecting cross-site scripting, SQL injection, um, and so on. I have a I have a concern with with web application firewalls. I've seen people put a WAF in place without really caring about the quality of the security of the underlying software that they've written. Uh, there really is no replacement for getting the code right. Uh, in my opinion, um, I think everyone on the podcast would agree with me here, that the role of a WAF is not to compensate for the fact that you've wrote lousy code. Um, it's therefore as an extra layer of defense in case you've made a mistake or in case you've missed something. Remember, it's one more thing to manage. More things and more complexities can make things a little bit more uh, harder to manage and less secure. And so don't think that a WAF is a replacement for getting the code right. Um, you should always be striving to get the code right, just recognizing that you never will get it 100% correct. So for example, one of the vulnerability classes that it can detect is SQL injection. But make sure you write code that uses you know, parameterized queries. Uh, get the code right. Don't just focus on saying, yeah, we've got a WAF in front of us. We're, you know, we're golden. No, you're not. Uh, next one is Azure Active Directory only authentication into Azure SQL. Um, that's now available. So essentially, that turns off standard authentication in SQL Server that's been around since the very earliest days of SQL Server. Um, and I'm showing my age here. But uh, even back in the days when I first started using SQL Server, which was SQL Server 4.2 running on OS2, uh, that's how far back standard authentication goes. Um, so now, finally, there's an option in Azure SQL to disable that and just use Azure AD only authentication. Um, Azure Sphere OS is now updated uh, to 21.06. Just some you know, general security vulnerabilities have been fixed, better in integration with Wolf SSL. And the last one, one of my favorite topics, uh, we now have new Azure VMs for confidential compute workloads. Uh, these are significantly larger than the current set of VMs that are available for confidential compute. So these are VMs that are based on Intel's third gen Xeon scalable processor, and they support um, SGX uh, software guard extensions, which is used to run code and data in a secure enclave. So now we have these more scalable versions, which have up to like a thousand times more memory and up to 48 cores. Uh, one of the concerns about the current crop of VMs for confidential computers is that they're relatively small. And, that, and that's a fair comment, but uh, we're in limited preview right now for much larger workloads. The first news that I wanted to share is that MITRE Threat Informed Defense Center has released a mapping of the Azure Infrastructure as a Service, or IaaS, controls against the attack framework. With the release, they're providing uh, supporting documentation and resources that can be used with any project that you may have. If you take a look at it, uh, within the uh, one of the documentation, you will see a table, the attack table, 
which is color coded um, in it has different shades of yellow, uh, green, and what they're trying is to define the areas where ba basic, minimal, partial, or significant coverage uh, is provided for the protect, detect, and respond functions. Also, they understand that some of these uh, controls may uh, may provide all three uh, protected and response, so they have a color, I think it's purple, uh, for the areas where all three are covered. I have to research a little bit uh, more on this. Uh, I haven't read all the documentation uh, for, for this mapping, um, but I think that their mapping controls against capability provided by uh, individual services. If you are aware, Microsoft services uh, provide many integrations to uh, many of the services that, that we have. And when those services are integrated, uh, there are many capabilities in automation that becomes available. So I'm not sure if um, uh, they have taken into consideration uh, the integration as part of the control. In either case, it's a good start. Many customers have been asking for it, so everyone will be happy. Another uh, news that I wanted to share is that enhanced audit logs for conditional access policy changes have been made public uh, preview. Um, an important aspect of managing conditional access is understanding uh, changes uh, to the policies over time. Policy changes uh, may cause disruptions uh, for uh, your end users. So maintaining a log of changes and, and enabling admins to revert previous policies versions is, is really important. In so in addition to showing uh, who made a policy change and when, the audit logs will now also contain a modified property uh, value so the, that the admins have greater visibility into what are segments and conditions and even controls have been changed. Another news is that PIM has added support to the ABAC conditions in Azure uh, stores roles. Uh, in previous podcasts, I talked about ABAC uh, attributes-based access control and how excited I was uh, for that functionality uh, because basically uh, by adding more uh, attributes uh, to different resources, now those attributes could be also used for conditional access. So in this case, um, with ABAC, you could grant a security principle, uh, principle access to a resource, in, in this case, Azure uh, storage based on uh, the value of, of an attribute. Also, Azure Security Podcast, a Spanish edition, the second episode is now available um, for, for those of you Spanish speakers. Uh, we are interviewing uh, Roberto Rodriguez, who is talking about uh, Similan. Uh, Roberto is going to be talking about Similan uh, uh, with us in the English podcast sometime in September. So if you do not understand Spanish, uh, don't be worried. We're going to have him soon 
in our show and you could listen uh, what he had to say about Similan and all the work that he's doing. And that's all for me. So with that, let's turn our attention to our guest this week. Uh, this week we have Rin Yur. Uh, he is a principal cyber analytics specialist focusing on Sentinel and other SOC technology. Uh, Rin, why don't you take a moment, uh, explain what you do at Microsoft and how long you've been here. My name is Rin Ewer, and I've been with uh, Microsoft since 2012. And I started out on the Xbox security team, helping to build out our security operations within Xbox and Microsoft Gaming, what that needed to look like. And then later on, they kind of merged us in with the larger Windows devices organization and thinking things through on how to integrate security operations back into a larger hub and spoke model that we now see today through our Cyber Defense Operations Center, also known as our, our CDOC. So that's kind of some of the things that uh, I've been a part of uh, before taking on on this role. And so the role that I have now is a uh, is a principal analytics specialist over Azure Sentinel and our threat hunting tooling and SOC process processes within our, our security products uh, has kind of given me the opportunity to really kind of help shape the way Sentinel has taken form, partnering with our product groups, partnering with our partners and our field sellers uh, and our customers. So that's that's what I do today. Rin, we heard about the SOC process framework that you just released recently. We've actually already mentioned it on uh, one of our earlier episodes, but can you tell us more about it? Absolutely. You know, the, the SOC process framework, uh, it, it, it was a labor of love. It was something that kind of took shape from multiple customer conversations asking about how to operationalize uh, Sentinel and our, our threat hunting tools uh, within Sentinel and our XDR platform and what that needed to kind of look like. And so, you know, we kind of sat down to think through processes and procedures and how we could incorporate those and operationalize the tool set. So who do you envision uh, using it or who are you seeing using it? Like, um, like, you know, like who should be thinking about um, reading it and taking a look at this? Yeah, it really, honestly, anyone, whether you know, you're small, medium, large, doesn't really matter. Um, anyone really can leverage this framework. It's, it's built into the workbook gallery within Sentinel. And so you can go into the gallery, you can pull that down, save it, uh, and then start to take a look at the content within the workbook. Um, and some of which, right, it, it's it's all built around processes and procedures that you can, you can snap an operations, uh, your security operations to, uh, to give you things to think about, questions to, to consider as you're looking at severity, as you're looking at criticality, as you're looking at assets in your line of business, as you're looking at where those line of business meet revenue generating business um, and how you need to protect assets. Thinking of services, applications, whether they're, you know, we call them hybrid cloud, if, if they're on Azure or AWS or Google, or even if they're on-prem, right, wherever those things may live, uh, thinking about how to, to monitor for, for those activities. 
Um, and then as you're monitoring for those, being able to understand the type of telemetry and signaling that that monitoring is giving you and then taking action on uh, the, you know, the alerts and the monitoring, uh, as well as thinking through controls, thinking through you know, um, ways to be able to protect those assets uh, and then bringing those pieces together. So it really is, it's, it's for any organization that is looking to really build out and, and understand how to apply security operations from a process and procedural uh, perspective uh, to help them operationalize the tool sets that they already have in play. Like a, a, a security operations lead or manager or director are kind of the primary audiences, but then everybody would use the processes. Is that accurate? That, yeah, absolutely. So, Rin, how are you seeing customers using the framework actually in real life? No, that's that's a great question. So, uh, I had uh, an individual reach out to me actually this morning. It it's really kind of interesting as uh, as I was kind of talking to him uh, and working through uh, just a couple of thoughts that that he had around it. You know, it it became very apparent that. They want to be able to leverage the framework to be able to adapt it to their business and to their business model. Now, that means that they may have some processes already in place uh, that can be, you know, uh, that can be kind of morphed or merged into the, the SOC process framework, uh, which is exactly what it's meant to be, right? It's meant to be malleable. It's meant to be, um, you know, a form of adaptation to what a business already currently has. Uh, not to take away from what a business is already uh, doing to protect their line of business, but more or less to build upon as a, as a framework that they can, you know, really kind of snap to those things, especially if they're if they're new to the security operations side of things. And so, in in this particular case, he was telling me, "Hey, um, this is fantastic. I've already been trying to implement some of these things, um, but one of the things I want to help really try to focus on." is on automation. I wanna think through some of the questions and some of the things so that we can really start applying more of, of that SOAR capability because of how small we are, uh, you know, so that we're, we're reducing the amount of load that, uh, you know, that a human has to take on. And that's absolutely a great, you know, a great approach to the framework. Um, another approach too is also making sure that you're not, you're not, just removing the human aspect of it, that you you still have those checks and balances, and that someone is making sure that they're they're looking at those alerts, they're looking at things that are being you know fired on, they're looking at the automation processes, they're doing you know uh, some type of check around the you know those processes and things, so that uh, you're it's basically we call it a maturity model, right? You're looking at the maturity overall. Uh, and so you're going to start small. You're going to start little by little, and you're going to implement, uh, you know, a few of these things here and a few of those things there. And as you continue to develop and grow, right, it, it's going to grow with you. And that's really what this this model or this framework is is designed to do. And so as he and I kind of talked this morning, you know, that really kind of resonated with him because they were, you know, they're in the process of kind of implementing that. Uh, and, and it was exciting to kind of see the light bulb turn on that, you know, he doesn't have to take the entire thing in uh, in one big chunk, that he can build upon it uh, and take the pieces that are applicable now and continue to mature his security operations over time. 
are you able to walk us through like a few of the modules? I know, I mean, I've had a look at it. It's, it's a big thing. So we, we'd be here all day um, if we did probably the whole thing. But maybe um, talk us through maybe a couple of your favorites or maybe the first few. Absolutely. You know, my favorite is the incident response procedure section. Um, that's before you get into some of the bigger sections, which are the analytical processes and procedures, or the business processes and procedures, or the operational or technology processes and procedures. So this workbook is pretty large. Um, I believe we've tracked it to somewhere close to 60 pages worth of content around really helping to provide the detail to some of those. So um, the incident response procedures gives a summary of what an incident is, and it then dives into the purpose of uh, incident response procedures all up. It uh, includes a decision matrix that uh, helps them map severities, and the severities come with service level objectives or SLOs uh, that any you know operational team can snap to. Uh, all, again, all of these things are, are malleable and customizable. They can certainly uh, edit and change within the workbook because all of our workbooks within Sentinel are are open for you know, customers to be able to take and change and modify and, and apply things. So think of it as kind of a repository of knowledge around SOC operations. And in this particular procedure, it really is kind of giving out that scope and definitions uh, in that area. And then we step into severity definitions. We talk a little bit about why SEV1, SEV2, SEV3, SEV4. Um, we give uh, you know critical examples around compromise and service disruption uh, or publicly displayed attacks. We talk a little bit about commodity versus uh, advanced persistent attacks. We talk a little bit about examples around services and sensitive systems and different attacks that may compromise computer systems um, as well as outbreaks. Uh, or websites, uh, you know, and vulnerabilities, all of those pieces, so that an, an analyst can come in and look at the card. So it, the way that it's broken out in, in this section of the workbook is it's each one of those has its own card uh, with uh, examples within that so that an analyst isn't left to try and understand or try to figure out why SEV1, SEV2, SEV3 when they're trying to apply that type of nomenclature during an incident uh, as they're triaging and they're doing you know, some type of annotation within the incident blade within Azure Sentinel. Um, so those are, those are just a couple of the high level pieces. Then we get into the overall incident response process and there is a, a Visio diagram that breaks down each of the sections. We have watch and monitor, we have investigate, there is mobilize, uh, assess and contain, and then last, uh, remediate and, and recover. Um, oh, and then postmortem. So we break down all of those sections from a large Visio diagram, and we carve out each of the, the areas of that diagram and then go into a lot more details around how an analyst would think about that section if they're making decisions around okay, can I triage this on my own? Can I deliver, you know, and, and do the investigation? Or do I need to escalate 
to some type of IR team? Do I need to pull in, uh, you know, another organizational uh, uh, asset to help me triage because they know that line of business or they know the criticality of the assets or um, services or things that are running that have potentially been, um, you know, indicated through this investigation that I'm doing. And so we really want them to think about each of those areas. And that's really what we're doing is we're calling out in detail each of those those pieces so that they can really focus on the considerations. So in this particular case, so let's just kind of break down assessment and containment, asking questions like, is the incident currently ongoing? Uh, what's the business impact? Is there stolen information uh, that is potentially stored on, on the system? And is that system, you know, being monitored by the attacker? Uh, is there, you know, automated routines to delete evidence, right? What type of activities are you noticing through the monitoring side? Or do you need to go uh, hunt for some of those type of nefarious activities that may not necessarily have been alerted on uh, because rules and, and detections may not have been set up to answer those questions? Um, what's the production impact? if you know uh to those systems or to you know the the assets or services in question uh what does that can what you know what is your containment strategy look like and how do you effectively uh preserve evidence during a containment your containment strategy um just really getting them to think about all of those things so that if they are in the middle of a deeper investigation where they're bringing in external resources, that they're asking those questions and making sure that everyone that is a part of that investigation all have those things at top of mind. Um, so that as you know, they're looking at evidence and they're catalog cataloging that evidence and they're timelining that evidence, each of those pieces, right, is is coming to bear through uh, the lens of, of the type of considerations that they need to be asking during the process itself. Yeah, you're, you're definitely not uh, kidding about the labor of love. That was uh, <laughs> that's an amazing set of resources just to hear it from you as well as the visual for it. So, so tell me a little bit about how this kind of compares to some of the other Microsoft guidance that we've released, which is a little bit more of how to get started and kind of a, a simpler view to get things going. Like, how would you kind of compare, contrast, like what we've shared from our, our CDOC, our Cyber Defense Operations Center, and kind of those lessons learned and best practices there with uh, the SOC process framework? Well, I think I think it's very complementary in in the fact that I came from that world um, a lot of the things that uh, we've built into the workbook are industry standards just things at a high level to consider and look at um, some customers we may want to go deeper uh, into some of those areas and focus a little bit heavier depending on what their line of business may be or where they may see particular attacks whether they may be on the advanced persistent side or on the commodity side um, on the on the comparison of, of what we've offered, it's again very complementary, right? You know, we're looking at a security operations model. We're thinking through what roles and responsibilities are. You know, on the on the cyber defense operations center, we too are looking at automation. We're looking at you know that that 
triage, investigation, hunting and incident management. Uh, and that's really what we're doing within this workbook is, is bringing those pieces, but expanding them out into, into greater detail. Uh, I, I will say that there's a lot of stuff from some of the things, Mark, you and I've worked on and um, some of the stuff that we've, you know, uh, that you particularly have built into the 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 sock compass and some of the the just detailed content there that we're we're really thinking about for v2 how do we incorporate that in how do we make this a little bit more uh you know from that perspective so that we're we're giving a little bit more granularity to some of these uh, these areas and so that's some of the the things that we're thinking about which I think I love. I love that um, that message where we need to merge. We need to bring some of those pieces together. When I really thought through this, it was more of let's just think of industry standards, things that uh, at a high level, any customer, no matter you know where they are in their their state of affairs, they can think through processes and procedures and questions and just things to consider and apply them uh, operationally. And that's really kind of what I was thinking about it at the time of that. And so as we've, you and I have talked, and I think if we've talked to, you know, with some of our other teams, as we've talked with our product groups, um, those are some of the, the ideas that are now starting to emerge is we want to see a unification across the board there. And I'm excited to say that, that that's where we're headed with uh, some of the, the newer versions of the workbook, which uh, I think will be well-received. Yeah, and I love having a framework that we can actually work within and plug those best practices. And so they go to the right folks and they get plugged into the right things, you know, because we were, you know, and I think the, the, the complimentary piece of having that, here's your first steps and then here's what the whole journey looks like. And you can kind of pick and choose. Do you want to use this as a reference model to compare where you're at? Do you want to just run a couple of key best practices because you want to start on this area because you know this team really wants to get better? Um, it gives a lot of different options there. No, I love that. Absolutely. And I think I think that's what customers are asking for is one, where do I start? And two, what are the options that I have? And then how do I how do I apply those, you know, those options in a way that is impactful to my business? Uh, well, you've kind of hinted on this, Rin, but what's next for the framework? <laughs> um, you know, you, you, you mentioned there that there's some new versions of workbooks coming, but um, are you doing a version two? What, what's next? We are we are currently working on a version two, and one of the new features that we're playing around with, um, and so I'll, I'll hint to this, we're playing around with a feature called Flyaway Workbooks, where we can link to additional workbook content within a given workbook, like the main workbook. Um, and and so one of the ideas we're thinking about is if we can carve off very particular, very granular, and um, detailed content that uh, gives us the ability to put that into a workbook where we can say, hey, you know, how large are you? And ask you questions around um, what your state of affairs are and then link to, you know, if you fit in any one of these models, here's content that is applicable to your current state. We're kind of looking along those lines, and that's exciting because then it allows us to really kind of expand on not only the content that the workbook can offer, but we can then make it more modular. 
and uh, we can then start to scope some of the modularity of the workbook and the content to the certain areas that I think customers are not asking us for, uh, you know, to, to really kind of help them dive more into where do I get started. Now, while the workbook is made simple so that you can just load it, you can go in, start to replace uh, your the customer word with your customer name. You can start to think through what processes and procedures are applicable to your line of business. It, it really, again, is malleable in that way. We're also thinking about us, uh, uh, ease of use, and we've been thinking about how we can make this a little bit more modular to drive that ease of use, and I think that's going to be exciting for, our, for those using Sentinel going forward. I'm kind of excited to what this might yield. So when I've been listening to all of this, uh, one of the first things that sort of came to my mind was, what's the best way to start with this framework? I mean, how would somebody get started? Yeah, again, you, you're going to go load that workbook uh, into the gallery. You're going to get it started there. Um, and you're going to pick each of those sections, right? You're going to, the first thing to do is uh, when you go into the uh, editor mode of the workbook, advanced editor, you can just do a search and replace of the word customer and put in like, you know, whatever your line of business is, boom. That's the very first thing to do to get started. Then the next thing you want to do is take each of those processes and procedures and really look at each of those sections on what are you doing today? What is your current state and how you can apply that to, you know, to your business and to uh, those that are, are working within the tool sets. Um, and that's really what it is. It's understanding the processes and procedures, understanding those processes so that you can then apply them operationally to Azure Sentinel uh, and to other security tools within our product stack. And as you're, as you're kind of looking at that, um, you're going to start to see a pattern. You're going to see how those processes and procedures build off of each other where you will have a framework. And so that's why we've also put in the workbook um, areas for uh, or diagrams. And so at the very, very beginning, um, when you go to the SOC main, you'll see the procedural flow you'll see uh, how the procedural flow interconnects with each other. You'll see, you know, as it's talking about shift turnover and daily operations, and it's looking at shift scheduling and staffing or training. Um, and then from there, once you kind of have some of those pieces underway, then that training dovetails into, okay, now I understand how to go monitor and triage. I can now do a crisis response or a call out. I can do incident management and problem change. So really getting to each of those areas to understand the details of those processes and then how to apply the procedure of that process back to the, the tool itself. Um, and that's really where the meat of this is, is it's, it really gives our customers that capability to operationalize uh, the tool itself. It, it lowers the bar from Sentinel just being a tier three threat hunting capability tool, because uh, that was feedback that we got a lot from our customers was, um, you know, this isn't really built for a, a tier one or, or tier two, you know, analysts. And that just really kind of made me disheartened because uh, for, for me, you know, this has been my baby as well. Uh, as, as Sarah's, you know, Sentinel Mama, I've always thought, you know, I guess you guys have called me Sentinel Papa or whatever, but Sentinel has been kind of in my blood clear back since, you know, early uh, 2015. Well, 2016, late 2015, when Sentinel was really kind of being conceptualized 
And uh, so we wanted to make sure that we were shaping in the right way. And and this type of operationalization gives a level one, level two, a really good understanding of how to apply, you know, uh, staged annotations uh, using tagging that's built into the incident model, understanding how to queue and triage, understanding how to apply an escalation procedure through tagging, understanding um, all of those pieces because they can now use the tool the way it's been developed and designed um, through this level of understanding. And, and that's exciting. So something we ask all our guests is, is there a final thought that you would leave our listeners? Yeah, I, I think, you know, based on what the conversation we've had today, our final thought or my final thought is, you know, it doesn't matter how large, small, who you are, or what your current security state is. Just do something, right? Take action, take a look at where you're at, apply the workbook, look at what uh, is applicable to you, to your line of business and to your state of affairs, uh, and uh, use that to help drive further process. Use that to help, you know, move you towards a, a level of maturity that, you know, that you hope to achieve. And I think that's what's so great is that it really is designed for all audiences because it's process based, right? So that you can apply that process no matter where you are within your state of affairs. So let's bring this episode to an end. Uh, thanks, Ren, for joining us this week. I really appreciate you taking the time joining us. Uh, I learned a great deal from you. Uh, hopefully our listeners learned a great deal too. And to our listeners, stay safe out there. Take care of yourself and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Azure Security Podcast. You can find show notes and other resources at our website, azsecuritypodcast.net. If you have any questions, please find us on Twitter at Azure SecPod. Background music is from ccmixter.com and licensed under the Creative Commons license.